0: Now, the whole home show with Tony Joe on CFAX 1070.
1: What's going on out there in real estate in Victoria, British Columbia? I'm Tony Joe. I've been doing this now for over 25 years and have seen a lot of things happen uh, in the Capital Regional District here. Of course, one of the things that does happen is constant change, and there's changes in regulation, changes in what people are looking for, changes in price and values. Basically changes in everything. We've got a great show today. We're talking about home inspections. Now, if you are a home buyer, you're looking, for a, you're looking at a house to buy, one of the things you're going to want to do is make sure that you do your due diligence and make sure that this investment, which, by the way, is probably the largest investment you'll ever make in your life, is the right one. So we've got three guests on our show today. Uh, we have from A Buyer's Choice Home Inspections, Reese Jacob and Monica Gass. And from South Island Remediation, Vince Moriarty. And finally, from Victoria Tank Service, Corey Hughes. Now, these are experts in our community here, people that help you look out for things that prevent you from making uh, what is possibly a huge financial error. So we'll have a chance to chat with them all uh, over the course of the next hour here. Uh, but this is the Real Estate Show for the month of February. So if you have any questions or concerns, any burning uh, uh, desires that you want to bring up to us here, please go online to cfax1070.com, uh, let us know, and we'll discuss it on our next show. So let's talk a little bit about what's happened out there in the real estate market recently. It's February right now. Uh, sales stats were just released for the month of January. Uh, sales are down. They're down 11% from January and. Uh, 16. Uh, we're going to see in the media a lot of people saying, oh my goodness, uh, real estate sales are going down. Well, I need to remind you that we are now comparing sales from last year, which was a banner year. Sales will be down for months as we move forward for the next little bit. But I have to tell you, things are still very busy now. I have in the studio right now our guest. actually the three out of our four guests, uh, Reese and Monica and Vince. We're going to have Corey on the phone uh, in just a few moments here. Um, but let's just talk a little bit, uh, guys, here. So what have you seen out there? What what have people you know have been talking about real estate? You know, real estate seems to be a big topic of the day, right?
2: Yeah, it is, definitely. I'm, I'm seeing a lot of uh, people out there they are kind of in a panic because the inventory is low, like you're saying, and uh, they might not get the house that they want. So people are, are definitely in a bit of a panic, but... Um, we're able to help them out with inspecting the house and letting them know about any upcoming issues they might have or safety concerns.
1: Yeah, okay, so you you mentioned inventory, and here we are. I mean, we finished the month with about 1,500 listings, and uh, for people to know, you know, on a comparative basis, that's down about 40% from what we had last year. And when we compare it to the year before that, we're down about 50%. So we've got a strong number of sales and low inventory. It's that supply and demand uh, scenario. And this is one of the reasons why we're still seeing really strong prices out there. Um, you may you may know this, but the uh, average price for a single-family home in the month of January exceeded $800,000 last month. Wow. It was $804,000. Uh, what have you seen, Vince? Um- you know, it's kind of fluctuated a little bit. The common question that we get from uh,
0: potential buyers is uh, always the vermiculite and always the pipe wrap. That seems to be identified by the home inspectors and yeah. and people can see them. Um, rule of thumb is when we get involved in a project, we, um, we basically tell them, don't panic. Um, because that seems to happen at times. People sometimes will over-educate themselves on Google and get scared. Uh, yes. Uh, so rule of thumb is don't panic. Uh, other questions we receive is why did they put it there? And basically we explain it was a building practices at the time.
1: Okay, so we're going to get to that. So basically what you're saying is why, why is asbestos even in the house? Yeah. Yeah, and, and uh, we sort of talked about this, you and I, before, before we got on the air here. Um, sellers did not purposely put this bad stuff in their houses no. to, to make it difficult for people and their health. No, no, it's just, it was a building
0: practice at the time. Uh, If it was common to use for vermiculite that they would put into the attic, that's what they used. Uh, If they were using pipe wrap, the asbestos pipe wrap on forced air heating, that's what was used. Uh, We also find asbestos lagging on boilers and stuff like that. That's
1: what was used at the time. Yeah, and it, it was all okay. So now you've been doing this for for quite a while, and you you you've been in the disaster restoration uh, end of things, right? That's correct. I yeah.
0: spent thirteen years doing that.
1: So how how are you finding things right now from the 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 buyers and seller standpoint? I mean, we know it's busy. We know it's it's hard to act on things quickly. I mean, are you getting those panic phone calls and everything?
0: Uh, yeah, it's funny you should say that because I had a couple this morning from uh, a lady that uh, had some pipe wrap in her house, and she was uh, it, she wanted to do a renovation. Uh, of course, you know, young mother, young family, uh, and I appreciate that. But I uh, had to say to her, we have to come out and do a risk assessment. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's required by WorkSafeBC when you're dealing with any, any form of contaminant and, and figure out what's there how we can, we can remediate this and get this house uh, safe and clean for everybody
1: involved. It's important. So uh, here in the studio, I have with me Vince Moriarty from South Island Remediation and Reese Jacob and Monica Gass from A Buyer's Choice Home Inspections. I mean, you guys must have friends or people you know who are looking at properties and have dealt with the real estate market. I mean, what are they saying to you? What, what have you heard? It's not an easy time, right? No,
3: it's not an easy time. It's not an easy yeah. I mean,
1: time. it's it's a heck of a time to actually get into real estate right now because it's it's the craziest the market has ever been, right?
2: Yes, it is. Um, a lot of real estate that I've looked at recently has only been on the market say for a week or two before it's and that's long, which right? is yeah, which is a long time. I mean, some people, a lot of people, are having to go in over asking, like I'm sure you know, and uh, for some people, it's just not affordable. So. They're having to go, you know, to the outskirts like Langford and Sydney and things like that, where even there it's starting to look a little bit more expensive. I even think.
1: even Sooke, yeah, like even Sooke, Sooke is a real a real hot spot, right?
2: Yeah, there's a lot of new construction in Sooke that uh, we've been doing inspections on out there, and it seems to be the way that people are going with it.
1: Yeah, so it, it's it is a crazy time out there. You know, we're talking about days on market. We were doing our statistics actually for 2016 uh, in Victoria. Actually, average days on market was 39.8 days on market for sold properties. And you know I, I know it sounds like that's a long time. Let's not forget, some places take four or five months to sell, like high-end properties. And then we got ones, like I sold one a couple of weeks ago in six hours, right? So wow. it'll, it kind of evens out. But, you know, the, getting back to the, the struggle about a market like this where people really have to act. Okay, you guys are inspectors. Uh, uh, Vince, you look at um, uh, uh, potential health hazards and stuff. Yep. It's tough because these people have to make like a split-second decision, and they often have to jump in without making conditions, right? I mean, how... how what have you been well, seeing? I, well, I
0: imagine them even even though uh, with it now, because a lot of people are more aware now of the asbestos and what's going on in the material. And, and and thanks to Google, people are, are educating themselves. Um, so, I mean, I've, I've recognized that it's changed even since uh, 2011 uh, now that people are a little more, you know, educated on it and, and sometimes a little more panicky on it, too. And, um, you know, we, we totally discourage that. We diffuse that. It's like, you know. Let's not panic. We know how to uh, to deal with this stuff. We can remediate this properly. We follow all the work safe regulations and rules, mm. um, but people seem to be a little more educated on it now, as compared to maybe five to six years ago. Yeah, uh, and I'm sure that Reese, you're seeing that as well. Um, the questions that you must be fielding, um, you know, since yes, you know, those sort of things.
2: Definitely, um, people are definitely concerned about asbestos and the, the vermiculite insulation, yeah. things like that, and the, the pipe uh, insulation, like you were saying. Those are all definitely concerns for for some people. But uh, usually, we refer them to someone like you, and, and they can you can answer all their questions. Of course, what what it will take to remediate.
1: And you know what? That's just a, that's a great reminder. It's it's get the experts right. That's yep. right. And uh, you know we we in the real estate business are always reminding consumers. You know we. We help people with marketing, finding homes, negotiating, all that kind of stuff. We are not building inspectors. We are definitely not uh, um, disaster uh, uh, um, uh, solution people as well, too. The best we can do is uh, refer or recommend people to experts like you guys. Thank you. Yeah, so here we are. Uh, We're in the studio today uh, with uh, three uh, businesses here right now with uh, Reese Jacob and Monica Gass from Buyer's Choice Home Inspections, Vince Moriarty from South Island Remediation, and in just a moment on the telephone, we'll have Corey Hughes from Victoria Tank Service. Uh, Again, we're here talking about all things real estate. Do you have a question? Is there a situation or experience that you have bumped into recently that you like to talk about or have us discuss on air? Just go online to cfax1070.com And we will happily uh, discuss what's, what's happened out there. Like I said, right now, the real estate market is crazy. You know, we're talking about inspections and all that. We haven't even touched on some of the other stuff that's happened recently, like changes in banking rules. Uh, qualifications. There is the new uh, uh, first-time homebuyer benefit that the province laid out a couple of weeks ago. Uh, And of course, not to mention things like the foreign investor tax and the vacancy tax. So many things happening out there. I've been in this business for a long time. I've never seen so many things happen within the course of 12 months. Um, It's never a dull day in my office, just as it probably isn't uh, with you guys. Um, but, you know, uh, real estate's important. People need their homes. People need their investment. And you guys are here to talk about uh, how to protect their uh, their investment, which is their money. Like I said, it's going to be the, the largest purchase they're ever going to make. So in just a moment, uh, we'll be back uh, online with uh, our guests separately. Um, but again, cfax1070.com. Get in touch with me, and we'll chat. So we're here talking about real estate and all things regarding home inspections and how to make sure... That you're making the best out of your purchase. I've mentioned earlier that your home is probably your most important asset. Uh, it's a lot of money, especially here in Victoria. We just mentioned the fact that the average price for a single family home just reached $804,000 in the month of January. And of course, you know, not every home is new. I mean, the uh, inventory for new homes uh, is not vast here in Greater Victoria. In fact, the building boom was around the 1950s. I mean, we see uh, throughout the the area, 1950s and 1960s, very common time for houses to be built. And now one of the ways that people heat their homes, of course, is with forced air heating. And we did not have natural gas piped on, on the island here until not too long ago. So consequently, people were left with the options of either uh, heating by uh, electricity or heating with oil, which was uh, really a very common method of uh, uh, home heating. Now, I have on the air with me right now, by telephone, Corey Hughes from Victoria Tank Service. Thanks for coming on, Corey. Hey, not a problem. Yeah, Corey, so you're uh, you're like third generation in the tank business, aren't you? Correct. Wow. Uh, of course, we all know your dad. Uh, he's been around uh, for longer than I've been around. I've been doing this for 25 <laughs> years now. Um, But Rick is the guy. Whenever we have uh, uh, questions or concerns, um, you guys as a team uh, go out there and and have a look at things. So the the big question here is oil tanks. They were fine up until maybe around 15 years ago or so. No one ever asked questions about oil storage tanks. They were usually there outside of the house or in the basement or whatever. Now, all of a sudden, insurance companies are saying they want to make sure these tanks are new or newer. What happened?
4: Well, basically there was um you know, a few leaks. I the, the big one on the gorge, you know, quite a few years ago kinda triggered everything. Um, because back then, you know, the insurance used to cover leaks. Yeah. And uh as soon as they had uh figured out how much money they had to put out when an oil tank leaked, they uh they stopped doing that pretty quick and then started kind of making the onus on the homeowner to clean everything up
1: now. Well, and and let's talk about that, because what are the consequences of a leak? Okay, so let's just say you got an oil storage tank uh, beside your house, and it starts leaking, it goes on in the ground, so what's the big deal?
4: Well, basically it's it's, it's a lot more of a deal if it does get into the drains and then into the water systems, and that's what they're really worried about. Um, You know, I mean, it's basically, if you're you're not near a water stream and it's just kind of in the ground, then usually it typically doesn't migrate very far thanks to the the clay that we have here on the island.
1: Oh, the clay, that's important to know.
4: Definitely. Yeah. Um you know, it usually it's pretty impermeable here so okay. usually that's not an issue. It's just usually when they're, you know, closer to the water or when it, once it gets into the drains then then it becomes quite the problem because of course it's migrating all over the place.
1: Yeah, so so the other thing too of course is you may have a leakage and get some contamination on for instance your property. But of course, a big problem occurs when that leakage moves over to your neighbor's property, too, right?
4: Correct. And again, there used to be a clause in most insurance companies where they would not clean up, they would not pay for your cleanup. But if it did go on your neighbor's, they would pay for that.
1: Yeah. And we're going to talk about this. We'll talk about this with Vincent in a few moments here as well, too. Insurance really is the driving force behind a lot of these decisions, right? So, um, you know, I mean, we'll see some houses that have older oil storage tanks. And, you know, every once in a while, we'll we'll have a buyer that says, it's an old tank, like, it has to be replaced. How come the seller hasn't replaced it? Why are they still covered by insurance? Um,
4: well, most times I'd say they're probably grandfathered in. Um, you know, they've been there with the same insurance company for 30, 40 years, and maybe they just, you know, they're a little more lax. It, it really does depend from company to company.
1: Yeah, and, and I think that's a really important point, too, is just because there's insurance in place right now with the current homeowner does not necessarily mean that that translates into the next owner, right? Correct. Yeah. Correct. Okay, now the next one I want to talk to you about is they used to bury these things underground. Yes. Yeah. So well, you guys are kept busy a lot because whenever we have properties for sale, in, in certain key areas definitely, uh, it is necessary for us to get uh, people like you guys to go buy the house and do a scan around the property to, to, to see if there's a tank underground. So um, <laughs> who ever thought about burying a tank in the ground?
4: Well, I, I don't have the actual answer for that, but I mean, you know, it was probably a, a provincial, municipal thing back then. It was just, uh, they didn't have the actual, the only tanks they had made were cylindrical. Yeah. And they were just too... Ugly? Exactly. Okay. Exactly. They were too ugly to be above ground and yeah. too big, and they would just take up too much space. So they figured, you know, back in the late 50s, early 60s, you know, early 50s, it was just out of sight, out of mind, barium and... And it was fun. Solved and, uh, you know, until, until now.
1: Yeah. So, hey, listen, we're on the line right now with Corey Hughes from Victoria Tank Service talking about uh, tanks and right now underground oil storage tanks. So, now, I've had clients that have had you guys pluck out huge tanks. Like, how big are these tanks that are in the ground?
4: Uh, most commonly, they're usually about a 500-gallon tank, which is only about 6 feet long and 4 feet round in diameter. <laughs> that's pretty big. Um, but, yeah, yeah, well, that's, yeah, but, you know, I know we have done... 1,000 and 2,000-gallon tanks, you know, we've found in residential properties. It's uh, just not bigger, but typically they're about 500 to 636-gallon tanks.
1: Goodness. Well, so, so here's the thing. I mean, up until not that long ago, it was common. We know that these underground oil storage tanks exist. Yeah. And um, what was permitted uh, up until not that long ago was in municipalities, uh, people would literally dig down to the tank, they'd open it up, uh, take out any fluid that's in there, fill it in with sand, and then they'd get the fire department or the municipality to come by and check it off, and that was fine, right?
4: That's how I started my illustrious career, yep.
1: You did? Okay. <laughs> so so now that's not fine anymore, right?
4: Well, no, because what we're finding now is, um, you know, and I, I've got to deal with this quite, a, quite quite often because I'm typically the guy that's already filled it with sand. Uh-huh. The homeowners, as you can understand, aren't too happy to see me again.
1: Yeah. Because you, cause you did your job at the time, which was what was required, right?
4: Exactly, you know. Um, but now we're finding that you know, when we r- ripped them out of the ground, you know, quite a few of them had leaked. And there was, until you remove them physically, there's no way to tell, yeah. um, you know, aside from maybe drilling a hole in every tank and sampling the soil underneath.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, um, because this is the thing: when when you put metal in the ground, which is moist and cold,
4: um, it's going to deteriorate.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> so I mean, because that that's one of the frustrations that we bump into is we'll have people who are looking at houses and they say, well, how come the seller didn't pluck the tank out ten years ago or fifteen years ago or whatever? And and the reason for that was
4: it wasn't mandatory. back It,
1: then. it was not mandatory, and and it is right now.
4: Exactly. Like you say, just to get in there, clean it out. Have the fire department look at it, and and all we did was make sure there was no, you know, fuel coming back in. There was, of course, they were all leaking um, water back in. Yeah, but we figured as long as there was no oil coming back in, that was kind of the precedent that we we went by with the with the fire department. So yeah,
1: so so tell us now. um, There are there are specific areas and specific ages where underground tanks are a little more common. Can can you tell us what they are?
4: Uh, Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's like you were talking about earlier. Uh, Basically, any house. Built in the 50s would have one, um, you know. They were put in. And I've done a few from you know the 1910s, but typically it was the late 40s and 50s. W- with the big boom, they were all oil, and then right about 58, 59, they started tapering off because they invented the above-ground style that was uh, only half the size and was vis- and was not so you know, ugly. A little more aesthetically <laughs> pleasing, exactly, yeah. exactly. Yeah. So you know, it was it was really only about fifteen years post war, but it was it was a huge boom.
1: Well, and like I said, as we started off here, I mean, the nineteen fifties was a boom in construction, right?
4: Oh, for sure. Yeah, I mean, almost. Well, I'm not going to say half, but I'd say a lot of the a lot of the houses here were built post war. You know, in that era.
1: Yeah. Well, you, you know, I've got a quick story that I want to share with the uh, listeners here. My my family owned uh, their house since nineteen sixty two. And uh, I sold it for my mom. I guess it was around four years ago now. And I was born and raised in that house. So like I was around there for years. And I remember that there was an above ground oil storage tank. Uh, You know, dad had converted to gas when gas came on. Right. But the but the tank was still above the ground and I knew it was empty. So I actually had you guys come by and and take that tank away because I didn't want that complication with a sale. Right. But would you know it, the buyer came by, did a scan, and there was an underground tank below that tank. And Unreal. Yeah, and yeah, I down. and hey, I've got egg on face because I'm an agent. I'm a veteran agent. I lived in that house. I should have <laughs> known. My dad never told us, right? Yeah. Um And you guys came in. You, you plucked it out, which is great. But I think the important lesson there is just because there was one above ground does not necessarily mean there isn't one in the ground, right? Correct. Correct.
4: Yeah. And you know, um, Oak Bay has great records. They've got a record of every tank that was ever installed. Yeah, um, they're the only municipality. The other ones, we kind of have to, you know, do your work around and exactly.
1: Great. Well, uh, hey, listen, being great having you on air here, Corey. It's Corey Hughes from Victoria Tank Service talking about underground oil storage tanks. We'll be back in just a moment. Thanks, Corey. Thank you very much. So we're here talking about all things real estate, and today we're talking about home inspections and things to look out for. Uh, We just had on the air uh, Corey Hughes from Victoria Tank Service talking about this business of having underground oil storage tanks. Uh, For the rest of the show here, we're going to have a conversation about uh, asbestos and vermiculite and um, lead-based paint and all that kind of stuff uh, with Vince Moriarty from South Island Remediation. But right now we have with us, Reese Jacob and Monica Gass from A Buyer's Choice Home Inspections. Thanks for coming, guys.
2: Thanks. Yeah, thanks for having us, Tony.
1: Yeah, now you guys, um, of course, when people need, when people are looking to buy a house, one of the things that uh, both we as realtors and, of course, all the DIY books that they find in the bookstore and everything say, get a building inspection. That is really important, right? Now, you guys have a history because you became building inspectors because you bought your house, right? Tell us about that.
2: Yeah, so about three years ago, we did the whole home buying process, and uh, after after our experiences, we decided that uh, the home inspection could be improved, and so I'd always wanted to start my own business, and uh, after 10 years in doing electrical in the construction world, I thought that home inspection would be a good transition and uh, got my home inspector's license, started up here in Victoria, and it's been going really well the last couple of years. Yeah, especially right now. You, you guys are busy, and it's great having the
1: two of you because you both do inspections, right?
3: Yeah, no, it's really great. Um, we like it as well for safety and just for being able to uh, talk with somebody else about our findings right there on the spot, confirm that what we're seeing is what we're seeing, and then present it to the client in a way that's understandable, that isn't scary, like just saying vermicular is in the ceiling and not giving an explanation as to what that means or how to uh, go about dealing with it.
1: Yeah. So actually, that's great having that second opinion and, and being able to compare notes with each other as as you're going through the inspection, right?
3: Yeah. Definitely.
1: Yeah. So now, what have you guys been bumping into recently? Tell us what uh, what you've seen. Surely, um, there's a horror story that you can tell us. Yeah.
2: Well, you know, there's there's some houses that are a little bit of a lemon that, uh, you know, I just have to be honest with the home and when i go in and just tell people the way it is but there's definitely a majority of the homes that people are very uh proud of and take good care of it so i, I think the thing that we run into mostly is uh decks that are not uh secured properly to the home and supports that are rotten things oh, yeah. like that um you know the roof is an important part of the home it keeps it dry so if there's any leaks that's definitely something that uh, you want to get addressed right away no but
1: mind you okay so let's talk about that you know you're mentioning the roof here that. Now, a roof is something that you can see so people generally can have a look at a roof and and kind of decide what the range of the age of the roof is roughly right i mean yeah. y- you know if it's if it's t-lock asphalt shingle the roof is going to be 30 years old right correct uh, yes. um but on the other hand you know you're talking about structural stuff and this is typically what people are hiring you to do. They, they want to make sure that there's no structural issues, right?
2: Yeah, definitely. I think that uh, we, we do a very good scan of the exterior, the interior of the home. We'd look at the foundation. If there's any major cracks or holes in the foundation or leaks, then that's definitely something that uh, is one of the more major problems. Um, structurally, though, uh, we, we definitely look over that. We go into the attic, make sure there's no damaged framing members, anything like that. Um, well, sounds like
1: you guys do a lot
2: yeah it's it's a lot to cover in, in a couple of hours but uh, having two of us definitely makes things a little easier
3: yeah definitely we can spend a little bit more time especially on the interior of the house sometimes home inspectors are really concerned with the structural part of the house and absolutely should be so I have Reese to go in and check that but then parts of the uh, inside of the house get missed so I'm really thorough about going through the house and just making sure that uh, when we give the home or the potential client a uh, Report that they have everything there that they can go and go through it, make sure they get each thing fixed, repaired, or dealt with, and it's all right there in the report for them with pictures and descriptions and such.
1: Yeah, so, of course, the whole idea is for you guys to give um, all the information to a consumer in order for them to make an informed choice.
3: Yeah, exactly. An informed choice on if they can handle sort of what that property is, if they can, if it fits within their budget, and also give them an idea about who they want to be going to to remediate that problem, whether it's electrician or plumber or you know just a general contractor.
1: Yeah, because you know, Reese, you just mentioned a moment ago, you bump into the odd lemon, right?
2: Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, we're there mostly to to identify safety concerns and any you know major costly repairs. But, yeah, some houses are, you know, they've been left alone, they've been vacant for a while, and you can tell when, when you walk in and the carpets are wet and the windowsills <laughs> have water in them and things like that. But yeah. for the most part, I think that people are pretty proud of their home and they take pretty good care of it. But so,
1: you, know, you know, I think the important point there, though, too, is, I mean, we, we as the real estate uh, experts, you guys as the building inspectors, all we can do is provide information for people. Um, if it is a lemon, it's up to them to decide. They might still decide to go ahead with the house, but the point is they at least have the knowledge of exactly what it is that they're, they're, they're getting into, right?
3: That, I agree with that completely. It's definitely not about saying this house is, is, a, is a bad red flag. It's more like these are the red flags that you need to be aware of. Yeah. Do you have the ability to handle it with financials and time?
1: Very important. We're here with uh, Rhys Jacob and Monica Gass from a Buyer's Choice Home Inspections talking about building inspections uh, and how to make sure that your purchase in real estate is a good one. Now, let's talk about tech because, you know, we've talked about uh, the fact that you'll look around structurally and attic and all that kind of stuff. Now, you guys do a couple of different things that really have caught my eye. Um, tell us about what kind of technology you've uh, implemented into your, your inspections.
2: Sure. Yeah. So, other than the the standard home inspection tools, we also use a thermal imaging camera, which uh, basically it finds the um, temperature. temperature differential uh, within a, a wall or or the the, the surface of, of an item. Mm-hmm. Um, so okay. Yeah. So, so
1: what might you find there?
2: So, so we'll usually find uh, things like leaks or. Um, Energy deficiencies, missing insulation, things like that. Uh, maybe a, a door where the seal is gone, you can see the cold air coming in. Yeah. Yeah, so it, it helps us. You identify could also some
1: see uh, rodents. Yeah, and rodents. That kind of stuff, right?
2: Of course, yes. Wow. Yeah. How often do it's you see that? Cool. Um, once in a while, <laughs> okay. yeah. You know, usually in the attic, maybe in the crawl space. Um, yeah. But yeah, it's it's a pretty handy tool to have. Um, it's it's almost like X-ray, not quite, yeah. but it's it's pretty neat to uh, need to. to have I've and seen it. Actually,
1: technology today is fantastic, because you can do that. So thermal imaging. What else?
2: Yeah. So the next thing that we're working on right now is uh, we're com- our company is trying to is working with Transport Canada so that we are going to be able to fly our drone during the inspection. Oh,
1: and using yeah. a drone. Yeah. So okay. so
2: the reason that's handy is because. Uh, the roof is not always accessible whether it's safety or or because it's just not accessible so what we've done to fix that problem is we've we've gotten a drone and we're going to be able to do uh, drone roof inspections as well as um, taking photos and videos for listings for realtors.
1: Well, and you know that's the nice thing about the technology today because the HD cameras that are on these drones it can pick up a lot, right?
2: Yeah, we're filming in 1080p and and once we put that on the big screen, we're we're able to identify even the smallest uh, problems with the roof.
1: Yeah, really important. So uh, what other what other neat things are you doing with your inspections?
3: Um, Well, I was just going to say, as far as with the drone, um, we definitely think that it's going to be a useful tool coming up because um, with the low inventory, um, you know, realtors are probably scrambling to get listings. Mm -hmm. So we think that offering a service with uh, a home inspection where the seller actually gets the home inspection for the property as well as getting drone photos. It really makes that property stand out a little bit more.
1: Yeah, you know what? That's a really good point that I want to touch on as well too. So in a hot market right now where there's no inventory, um, people should still get a building inspection, Mm -hmm. right? And it is so common that we're seeing now that people get their inspection done before they put a offer in, Yes, right?
3: pre-offer inspections. A
1: pre-offer inspection. And, you know, I mean, obviously there's a chance that they might not get the house, right, if somebody spends money on a, on a building inspection, but it is really... Uh, um, uh, a good way to, to, to protect their position, right? Because at least they know what to expect, right?
3: Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, like you said, this is one of the biggest purchases of their life. So knowing what you're going to get is, you know, it's a small price to pay if uh, yeah. you can save yourself money or if you can just be more knowledgeable in the process.
1: Yeah, and we've now we've seen people that have, that have done three or four or five inspections before they actually finally secure their house. Uh, and, it, I mean, hey, it's, it's just the cost of doing business, I guess, right? But at the very least, they know that what they're getting into is 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 what they're ex- – they expect <laughs> – you they, know what I'm they saying. They get
3: yeah. what they're expecting. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Good yeah. stuff. Yeah.
1: All right. Well, you know, home inspections are so important. Um, you as, – as I said, we always recommend that people get a building inspection done. You are the guys who are the experts that are looking at homes every day, uh, and you're able to identify things. We talked about the lemon. If you find that lemon, it's not up to me. It's not up to you whether the buyer buys that house. It is up to the buyer based on the information that you give them so they can make an informed decision, right?
4: Yeah, yeah well
1: exactly. Said. You bet. Okay. So, you guys, um, uh, Reese and Monica, a buyer's choice home inspections here in Victoria. How can people reach you if they need to call you?
3: Uh, you can go to our website. It's com, or we're also on Facebook.
1: Well, that's great. Um, and, of course, they can also, also reach you through the station here at cfax1070.com. Just get in touch with me, and I'd be happy to connect uh, with you guys. So thank you, Reese and Monica, for coming here. Reese and Monica from A Buyer's Choice Home Inspections. Thank, thank you. you. So we're here today talking about home inspections and how to make sure that your purchase is the right one. We've had uh, with us uh, Corey Hughes from Victoria Tank Service talked about oil storage tanks and why these things need to be plucked out of the ground. Uh, Also, just talked to Reese Jacob and Monica Gass from a Buyer's Choice Home Inspections, and they're telling us about uh, all the things they do to make sure that a buyer's purchase is the right one, including some neat stuff like thermal imaging and uh, drone uh, photography. Uh, They're able to look at uh, roofs and do inspections of homes in that way. Uh, And right now I have here uh, in the studio with me Vince Moriarty. Vince is with South Island Remediation. Thanks for coming, Vince. Thanks, Tony. So uh, Vince, I've worked with you before, and and yep. I've got to say you have uh, you've really um, uh, taken what is a very concerning subject uh, and made sure that our clients have been uh, well taken care of. So uh, let's start by talking about asbestos. Of course. <laughs> okay. Um, now we talked about this uh, before we got in the studio here. Um, Every once in a while, I'll have a buyer who's looking at a house, and they go, oh, my goodness, there's asbestos in the house. You know, this is dangerous. People yeah. are going to die. I mean, we know it's dangerous, so I'm not trying to overplay that. Um, but the thing is, it comes up every once in a while where they say, why does the seller have asbestos in the house when they know it's dangerous? Um tell us about it's, tell us the history here it's it's a it's what it is it's a building
0: practice it's you know this is something that the material that was used uh in the 40s the 50s actually right up until the 80s they were were still using it um it was a miracle substance right Oh, I mean, it was it was fireproof. It was bulletproof. Uh, you know, I mean, you couldn't go wrong with this stuff. As far as when they were putting it in materials like with, with the vermiculite and putting it in in the
1: pipe wrap and that sort of thing, uh, it, it just it, you know. When we talk pipe wrap, by the way, we're talking about heating ducts, like the correct duct work, uh, and and they wrap them. Yes. So it was an acceptable practice at
0: the time. It's exactly what it was. Yeah. And uh, up until uh, mid 80s. Uh, even you, you know my background, I was laying floors back in Ontario uh, in the '80s, and we were dealing with uh, we we were selling vinyl asbestos tile. Yeah, uh, you know the, the Canadian government said no, we can't use this material anymore. They basically said that's it, no more asbestos going into materials. Uh, so slowly, they had to work work it out of the system because of backlog material and stuff like that. It's now not an accepted practice to, to be having this material in a house. Yeah. Uh, rule of thumb for me is when we get involved with projects and home, you know, buyers and sellers is. Don't panic,
1: right? Don't don't get yourself So, so when is asbestos, because da- like I said, it's dangerous. So when is it dangerous? Uh, when you decide you want to start
0: scratching it and playing with it and moving it around, don't touch it. Bring in the professionals to deal with it. Mm-hmm. Uh, if, you know, we encounter homeowners that uh, will decide they want to de- take out vermiculite themselves,
1: we discourage that. Okay. Uh, now, the purpose, of course, is because the fibers become airborne, right? That's correct. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it's, it's, it's when people inhale the fibers that the problems occur. And we, we hear all these stories about people that, that develop lung cancer as, as a result of this, right? That's correct. It's the number one killer in B.C. right now. Asbestos? Yeah, exposure to workers. Okay.
0: Yeah, and, and, what, and what people don't really understand is what you're dealing with this is something that you cannot see with the naked eye. Mm-hmm. You cannot see this material with the naked eye. So uh, that's why you want to have the professionals address it and deal because with it. Because it requires a testing, right? It needs to be tested. Uh, you need to have exposure control plans, especially when you're dealing with vermiculite in attics. Um, You know, it's, it's so friable. The definition of friability means uh, to pulverize, crush, or turn to dust with your hand. Well, with vermiculite, it's already dusty. You know, and it and it settles in there. Um, and again, we always t- tell people, well, you know, I can do this myself. I seen Yeah, I'll, I'll get the shop vac and, and, yeah, and a and mask or whatever. Yeah, right? Yeah, it's not the, not a good idea because you know you're trying to remove something that you can't see with the naked eye. Yeah. And as good as you may think you're doing, and as much as you've educated yourself through uh, YouTube, uh, not a good practice.
1: Yeah. Okay. So, and this is the thing because we we've seen many times you drive by a school that's going through remediation. They have everything wrapped up. They got the guys in the full suits. Yep. They got, like, the air chamber. They, like, this is serious business, right? It's very serious. Yeah, and, and not just asbestos, but talking about things like lead paint, correct. right, uh, and, and, and some other things. So um, getting back to, to homeowners and when people are looking at, uh, at buying a house. And, again, I'm here with Vince Moriarty from uh, South Island Remediation here. Um, the asbestos in the attic. So you're talking about vermiculite. That's correct. Now, people put this in right they uh, did it was and again at the time it was an accepted building practice yeah. now when did the change happen uh, when exactly what occurred for all of a sudden uh, the powers that be to say this is no longer acceptable um i would i've seen it in houses up
0: until the mid mid to late 70s at times um i think what it is is what happened somebody came out with a better with a better mousetrap they said Let, let's not use this vermiculite anymore they know it's a concern yeah. But they weren't addressing it. They said, but you know what? We got this beautiful fiberglass insulation that we can put in now. that will give you the same R value. Yeah. And that's when you started to see it, the changes with the building practices, what that would happen. We've we, we seen a lot of bad insulation going in the, in the 70s. Uh, we started seeing the introduction of blown-in insulation. We've also seen cellulose in, in attics as well, which is a blown-in product. Yeah. Um, but it's what the market dictates. Yes. Uh, for sure. And and who wants to try to reinvent the, the mousetrap to make a better product at a more reasonable price.
1: Now, who is it that is saying that these products need to be removed out of the houses?
0: There's really nothing that says that it has to be. OK, what they're saying is uh, from WorkSafe's point of view is that WorkSafe, 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 BC. Yeah. Uh, so if you're a homeowner and you have it in there and you want to bring in, let's say, uh, an electrician or something like that to work in there. He's going to have to have an exposure control plant to, to, to oh. even go up there and even consider putting in pot lights or something to that effect. Yeah. Ideally, best case scenarios bring us in. Let's get that out of there. Let's get that house clean.
1: Yeah. And because and, this is the thing, because generally speaking, um, again, talking about asbestos, it's something that I think homeowners typically don't really think about on a day to day basis. It only really becomes an issue when it comes time for them to uh, either sell their house or, like you said, when they got to do some renovations done, yep. right? That's yeah. correct. Yeah, because now all of a sudden you can't just call your contractor and, and say, "Come on and renovate my kitchen." These things need to be tested if the house is is uh, older than 1990, right? Yep. And even with that, Worksafe so BC now
0: has safeguards in place so that if you um, you decide you want to do a renovation on your house, whether it's a big renovation or just a small kitchen, you actually have to bring in a hygiene consultant to do a, a hazardous material survey in there, mm-hmm. so they can identify what's going on. Do we have lead paint, base paint? Do we have vermiculite? Do we have mercury? And all that information goes into a report that gets sent to me, and we have to go out and do a risk assessment to identify how much materials are, how friable is this material.
1: How can we make sure we have the you know one hundred percent exposure control plan so we can remove this material? Yeah, you, you know, so, so something that comes up every once in a while is we'll have people that say, okay, I know I have asbestos in my house. You know, the house is is you know a lemon, like uh, Reese just said a moment ago. We know we're selling the house for land value, so a builder can just come by, scrape off the house, and, and who really cares? But something to consider there is the con- the developer there has to also now deal with the um, uh, the disposal of these hazardous materials, right? So that is an additional cost that we never had before, right? That's that's correct, and it's funny
0: that you mentioned that because they just changed the regulations as of recently with CRD and uh, with WorkSafe and with Heartland. So as it stands right now, anything south of Aspen Road, you're looking at somewhere disposal costs just for weight is somewhere about 180 bucks a ton. Yeah. If you go
1: north of Aspen Road, it's $500 a ton. Yeah. So it could be even just to demolish a house, it's an additional whatever, say $10,000 or, or even yes. more just for disposal costs, right? Yeah. And you still have to have a hazardous material survey done on the house. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. And what's
0: also happened with uh, with the Ministry of Environment in 2012, we, I'm very proactive with this is they kind of warned me about the lead paint because really not too many people are saying too much about lead paint. Uh, We know it's it's out there. We know people were concerned about it. But as of recently now, what they do is if you're going to do a renovation on your house, you have to get a leachate test done on your lead-based paint. What they're looking for to see if that's going to leach out into the environment. So here's here's where the kicker is. If it's leachable, the cost that's attached to that, my understanding is that we've dealt with is $5,000 per ton. Wow. That material has to be shipped off the island, has to go to Surrey to a hub, they take it from there, that goes to Alberta to a place called Swan Hill where they actually deal with it
1: there. Wow. And and again, you know, I mean these are things that were acceptable practices. It was I mean, common. They sold lead based paint. I mean it was okay back in the day, right? It gave it strength. Yeah. So nowadays people, you know, we're dealing with this on the on the other side of the spectrum. Uh, So I'm here right now talking about, uh, I think we're scaring people, actually, Vince. It's Vince Moriarty from South Island Remediation. Okay, let's let's just step back a bit uh, as we wrap up here and talk about the process of when people are buying properties. And we've talked about the fact that when the fibers are airborne, that is a problem. But, uh, I mean, we had this conversation before. A, A lot of what happens in a real estate purchase is the temperament of the buyer. Of course. Right? So um i mean you you mentioned it to me before i mean some people seem way more concerned than others right correct yeah yeah
0: that's it's, it's fair to say and uh we we kind of put them in sometimes two different types of categories the minimizers and the ones that are basically the phobics yeah uh what we do at south island remediation is we kind of bring them to a middle and, and, and educate them so the ones that don't see it as a big problem there is definitely a level of concern. Yeah. The ones so that are, they know
1: what they're looking exactly. into in the future. So right? you know
0: exactly what you're dealing with and we make the recommendations on what you should do. Or if they, if they don't want to do the remediation, we just say to them, don't touch it. Yeah. Just, you know, it's, it's, just leave it there. It's not doing anything. And the other side of the coin is when people are afraid of it, it's like, you know what, you need to realize that, yes, it's a concern. Yeah. But again, don't get yourself all hyped up about it because as long as you respect it and, and know it, that's there, then you should be fine. Bring yeah. in the professionals.
1: Yeah, so I was telling Vince uh, earlier, too, so I'm one of the instructors for our uh, the Provincial Real Estate Association, and I teach all the new licensees that come onto uh, Vancouver Island, both in Victoria and Nanaimo, and one of the components that we talk about is material latent defects. So these are things where, um, you know, you just said, you can't see asbestos uh, present in a house in the vinyl or in drywall or, you know, the paint being lead-based paint. Um, and it's important for people to disclose the fact that they know uh, if there is a material latent defect. Now, most sellers or owners don't know. These are people who uh, are just, they bought the house yep. uh, in good faith. And they just, um, you know, they never expected these things to happen, right? That's I guess correct. I guess my question is, what's going to happen next? Um, you know, you never know. I know that, um,
0: you know, people are definitely a lot more educated now. About it um, and taking the time to education that and that's good. But uh, I, you know, for us and our point of view, dealing with homeowners is uh, don't panic, yeah. right? Um, just be prepared of, of what you're dealing with. If if you want to have it remediate from house, you can. If if not, then if it's not doing anything, it's not hurting anybody, mm-hmm. then just leave it be. If it's not cost effective for you to do that,
1: yeah. And, and again, in the context of the deal, we'll bump into situations where the presence of asbestos because you got it tested, right? Yep. Uh, will either kill the deal or cause uh, a, a need for renegotiation. You yep. know, maybe the buyer will attempt to renegotiate that into the purchase, right? Uh, or maybe the seller just won't decide to do it themselves because they know they have to do it, right? That's correct. Yeah. yeah, We see that. Yeah, so all of a sudden there's there's a number of options for, for people to do. But, you know, I, I guess I guess the big thing that we've been talking about today with uh, oil storage tanks, with building inspections, and with uh, asbestos and, and things like that is it's all about... The consumer finding these things out and understanding them in order for them to make the right decision, and um, we know that these things are pre- like asbestos is present. I mean, it's a fact that there's a high probability anything built before 1990 will have some degree of asbestos, right? Yeah, Prince. That's a fair statement. Yeah. So it's one of these things where we just need to make sure that consumers know exactly what it is they're getting into. Uh, so I'm here. We're talking about. Home inspections and what it is people need to look out for, Uh, there are some other things, too. I mean... Uh, Reese and Monica, you talked about uh, electrical, there's plumbing, there's all these things. We will cover these on uh, future uh, shows here, uh, but I think we covered a lot today. Now, if you, the listener, have any questions or concerns uh, or are curious about the whole uh, home inspection aspect, just get in touch with me through the station here at cfax1070.com. Now, Vince, people need to reach you. How do they do that? Uh, you can reach me at 250 888
0: the phone is always on. So if you have a crazy question at 10 o'clock at night, you will get a hold of me. I know
1: that because I've done that with you before. Yeah, yeah. And uh, it's the reason why you're here. So thanks for coming, uh, Vince. So, uh, Vince Morari from South Island Remediation. We had Reese Jacob and Monica Gass from a Buyer's Choice Home Inspections. And on the telephone, Corey Hughes from Victoria Tank Service. I'm Tony Joe. Thanks for listening today about home inspections. I'll be here at CVAX 1070 next Saturday from 12 to 1. Uh, And we will see you then.
0: The Whole Home Show with Tony Joe on CFAX 1070.